going to be in Matthew chapter 2 for just a few minutes as we look at something that I've always found interesting and intriguing um, and I've always wanted to know more about and so I was excited this week to uh, get to look at these guys and kind of study them. It's the wise men. So while you're turning to Matthew chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, um, Matthew's gospel, there's, there's four gospels. If you don't know why, each gospel has a different kind of emphasis that the other ones don't. And, and Matthew's emphasis is he's the gospel for the Jews. So in all three of the other ones, uh, Mark, Luke, and John, for example, they'll say things like the kingdom of God, where Matthew is going to say the kingdom of heaven means the same thing, but all he's doing is he's trying to not offend his primary audience, which is these Jewish people that he's trying to tell about Jesus. And so Matthew starts his gospel off in this interesting way with the genealogy, uh, and he starts it off with like a historical, genealogies for us, like we want the exact person who gave birth to so-and-so, who gave birth to so-and-so, we want the accuracy of it, but at, at his time it was a little bit different, they were making a statement, so if you look at Matthew's genealogy, uh, your Bible breaks it up probably, uh, mine does, where there's 14 generations in each of these sections. So you have Abraham to David, then you have David to the Babylonian exile, and then you have the exile to Christ. And it's 14 people perfectly that Matthew kind of makes fit into that mold. And then we get to the birth of Jesus right after that. And what's so interesting with Matthew's gospel as opposed to the other ones, we, I preached through Luke, we saw Luke's gospel. Luke, is the, Luke loves a loser, is, is the story of Luke emphasizes lots of people who are down and out, emphasizes uh, women who at the time were not considered as, as equal as men, and Luke makes sure to highlight those. And so he gives this detailed list of, of Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah and, and the inn and all of these things. But when we get to Matthew's gospel, when we look at it, we see there's none of that. It's just Joseph. And so we see that that it starts, like after the the genealogy, it starts with, and then Joseph sees that Mary's pregnant, who he's engaged to. He knows that it's not his baby, and so he's going to divorce her quietly because he's a righteous man. And then something happens with Joseph that I want you to see because I think it's very, very important, especially with us walking across the heels of Genesis. Joseph has a dream. We've heard this in the Bible before. The Joseph in Genesis had dreams. This Joseph here, Jesus' earthly father, if you will, has a dream. And the dream is this angel telling Joseph that everything Mary said is true. That it's not a lie, that she is a virgin, that God has given her this baby, and that this baby will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so I want to read the last two verses because it just makes me laugh when I was studying this week. Uh, So we'll be in Matthew chapter 2, but I want to start with Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. And it says, And Joseph woke up, and he did as the Lord had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. That's the birth story in Matthew. Think of all that's not there. There's no shepherds in the field watching their sheep, and then the angels show up and they go, look at Jesus. That's not recorded for Matthew. There's no innkeeper saying we're full. There's none of that. There's no census even. It's just simply Joseph. I mean, if we just read this, we would think Joseph's in the manger with her when he has the dream. Like, there's no sense of time here whatsoever. It's just Joseph wakes up, decides to not divorce Mary, and then boom, out pops baby Jesus, and they just kind of move on with life. 
But if we look at the next verse in, 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 in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising. We have come to worship him. And when Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes and the people uh, of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. And in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what it is written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them to give an exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star that they had seen at its rising. And it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. And they entering into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary uh, falling to their knees. They worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Let's, Let's pause there. So we see this king. His name's King Herod. King Herod's title is King of the Jews. That's who this man is. He was a violent king, and he was a violent man. He killed multiple, like, multiple of his kids, and he killed multiple of his wives because he thought they were trying to usurp the throne from him. So he's very paranoid about people trying to kill him so that they can be king. And we see these wise men come who are from the east. The words magi in Greek. That's where we get the word magi. Magi, wise men. Let me point out a few things. They're not kings. That might have ruined your favorite hymn. They're astrologers. They're the royal counselors. Think of what David did for Nebuchadnezzar, interpreting dreams. Think about what Joseph does for Pharaoh, interpreting these dreams, helping kind of counsel them. That's what these men had done. They studied the stars. There's a fine line of difference between astrology and astronomy. And these men were pagans. They were Gentiles, so they were probably more akin to astrology. I also want to just note, there's no set number that we're told. Church history tells us three. And we often associate it with three because there's three gifts that are given, although I think there probably was more, and I'll I'll show you why in a minute. And we see that these magi, these wise men who gaze at the stars, what do they do? They see a star that appears. And so they follow this star from the east. They come hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles by some scholars' estimates. And I love where they go. Did you catch it? They don't go to Bethlehem. They go to Jerusalem. So let's pause for a second and just think about what this means. It probably means that there wasn't a star hovering 10 feet above the manger. It probably means that they're looking at the stars and they see this star that shows up and it leads them to Judea where they go to where kings should be, the capital city, Jerusalem. And they go to the king of the Jews, Herod. As a way to surprise him, like, hey, we, we saw that there's a new king that's been born, so we wanted to come and give gifts to this new king that's been born. And remember, Herod is paranoid, and so he's like, what new king are you talking about? 
They say we've come to worship him. See, in, in, in Roman uh, mythology, Caesar Augustus, when he was born, uh, they tell us that a star showed up. When, when uh, the first Caesar died, they say a star was shown. I think it's interesting that God is using these pagan means to draw these foreign people to Jesus. But this isn't the first time in the Bible that we've seen a story like this. In Numbers chapter 22, it's the journey of God's people after God gives the law to them on Mount Sinai and they're at the edge of the promised land. They're, they're walking in and so they scare the king of Moab. His name is Balak. So he calls this magician, magi, that's where we get the word magician from, from the east, and he calls this man to come and curse the house of Jacob and the people of Israel. And so God makes it clear to this magi, this magician, his name's Balaam, that he is to bless the people instead of cursing them. And so Balaam blesses Israel three times. And in Numbers 22, sorry, 24, verse 16 and 17, this is the blessing that he gives. Uh, the oracle, the one who hears the sayings of God, has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls into a trance with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but now I perceive, but not near, a star will come from Jacob, and a scepter will arise from Israel, and he will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down the Sethamites. So a man from the east prophesying about a star and a king that, that's coming is Jesus. And now we see these magi come from the east. They're following a star to the king of the Jews. If we look ahead a little bit in Isaiah, Isaiah gives us some prophecies that, that lead to us. Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines around you. For look, darkness will cover the earth, and total darkness the peoples, and the Lord will shine over you, and his glory will appear over you, and the nations will come to your light, and the kings to your shining brightness. So raise your eyes and look around, and they gather and come to you. Your sons will come from far away, and your daughters on the hips of nannies. Then they will see and be radiant, and your heart will tremble and rejoice, because the riches of the sea will become yours, and the wealth of the nations which shall come. Caravans of camels will cover your land, young camels from Midian and Ephah, and all of them will come from Sherbia, and they will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. So now we see these nations will come to the light of God's people. And in Matthew chapter 2, we see nations are drawn to the light, by light, to the light, the Son of God. It's interesting what the Lord is doing with these wise men in this star. And so this disturbs King Herod. This is why I think there's more. It disturbs King Herod and it disturbs all of Jerusalem. So they see these men from the east who show up. We're not told the number, but it's enough that the whole city of Jerusalem's kind of stirred up. And so Herod gets the chief priests and he gets the scribes. This would be like getting Democrats and Republicans together. And if you can get them to agree on what they're going to say, then you know it has to be true. Because they just don't like each other. They fight. It's this religious political system that they're in. And Herod says, where is this new king been born? And they quote Micah 5.2 and they say, in Bethlehem, of course. And so Herod tells the wise men to go. He asks them the exact time the star appears. He sends them to Bethlehem and then he lies. Tell me when you find the baby so that I can go worship the baby too. But we know what Herod wants to do. He doesn't want to worship the baby. He wants to kill the baby. 
And so after hearing of the king, they, the wise men go on their way. They see the star again back in the sky. Maybe this time it's a little bit lower. And so they follow the star to this place. Did you see where they follow the star to? It wasn't a manger. It was a house. And they go into the house and they see Jesus and they fall down and they worship Jesus. I don't know if this is like a worshiping Jesus because he is God incarnate or if it's worshiping Jesus because he's a new king. It doesn't explicitly tell us, but they open up and they give him these treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They're interesting treasures. Gold is always a sign of royalty in the Bible. Think of Solomon. Think of the temple. Think of Pharaoh. Think of Nebuchadnezzar makes a giant golden image of himself. Frankincense is, is a royal, uh, it's an offering, royal it's an offering to God. In the temple is where frankincense was. So it carries with it this idea of sacrifice. And myrrh is, is a perfume. And it carries with it this, an idea of anointing the dead. When somebody dies, you'd pour myrrh on them to kind of cover up the smell. But also when Jesus dies in the Gospel of Mark, it tells us they dipped the wine, and they dipped a sponge in wine and in myrrh and handed it to Jesus on the cross to drink. So they're giving Jesus these gifts, valuable gifts, expensive gifts. And then we see in a dream, they're warned not to go to Herod, so they go home. They go back east. So, so look at verse 13. And after they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Again, do you see it? We've seen this before. Joseph has a dream. So Joseph in a dream saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took his child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt and stayed there until Herod's death, so that it was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. And then Herod had realized, uh, Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time they had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard from Ramah weeping with great mourning and Rachel weeping for her children and she refused to be consoled because they are no more. So we see Joseph has a dream and because Joseph has a dream, God's people end up in Egypt. Have we heard this story before? We see that, that Jesus is probably not an infant According to the time that the star appeared for the Magi is when Herod decides to kill every male two years old and under. But it's interesting for us to look at at what Matthew is doing, what what the Bible is doing, what God is showing us with this one little passage of Scripture. It's talking about the Christmas time when we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. We have Joseph having a dream. This is his second dream that he's had in the book of Matthew. And this time it's sending his people, sending his family to Egypt. And he's going to Egypt to escape death. That's what happens in Genesis. Joseph has a dream. He is betrayed by his brothers. He's sent to Egypt. He has more dreams in Egypt, but it's ultimately to get God's people away to escape death. And then when it's time for all the Israelites to leave, we know the story of Moses well, don't we? What does Pharaoh try to do? Kill every male two years old and younger. And we see the exact same thing happening here in Matthew. 
what Matthew's doing is he's showing his Jewish audience that God has come, that God has come in the flesh, and as great as the Exodus is, what Jesus has come to save us from is far greater than the, the Egyptian empire. Nations will come to the light of God. So Joseph dreams. Something better than the Exodus. Can you imagine what these people were thinking? I love this part of the story, and I love the idea of the wise men because it reminds us of something we don't often think about when we think about Christmas time. As great as it is for us to gather with our families and to wrestle kids in pews, The incarnation is about the lost being saved. See, Jesus' name, his title is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Jesus, Yeshua, means God saves. And so what Christmas means is God with us and God saves comes to us so that we can be saved. And at the very end of Matthew's gospel, he ends with a great commission which says this, And Jesus came near and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew bookends his gospel to this Jewish people with this idea that God is with us and he does not leave. He starts his gospel by showing that these pagan Gentile men are going to be attracted to Jesus and he ends his gospel by saying, and if you're a believer in this Jesus, then you go out into that nation and you share the same gospel light that we have. It's phenomenal what Christmas is really about. Let me pray, and then uh, we'll have Tanner come up and lead us in our last song, and we'll turn the lights off. And, and if you don't have a candle, there's some in the back. Grab a candle, and we'll pass them around. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that the Christmas story is so much more than us and our family traditions. God, we thank you that the Christmas story is about you coming to us to save us when we can't save ourselves. That you are God with us, that you are God saves. Pray that this message, God, your, you, would truly be the reason why we gather together this evening. We thank you for Jesus, for the finished work of the cross, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.